This is The CW Spiral, a podcast run by three survivors of the CW's colon in 2022. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden, bringing you history about the network and the WB, the latest news and in-depth sportable discussions of the best and messiest shows to ever grace the small screen. So, we are back with a bunch of CW news. Not that we're complaining. It's nice to get news in this era in which we're not really watching the CW because it gives us hope for 2024. Mm -hmm. Uh, Starting off, we're going to talk about Wild Cards, which is bringing Vanessa Morgan back to the network. And uh, also Giacomo Giannotti is going to be joining her. Grey's Anatomy fans will probably be hollering about him being on this network show. Once again, we're in Canada, though. Uh, it seems like that's going to be the trend. We're going international with the CW for a little bit longer. But Wild Cards is going to be a crime-solving procedural with a comedic twist. You guys, it's giving me Spencer Sisters. That's what I thought as soon as I read it. <laughs> <laughs> it seems a little more elevated, though. Not yes. to do this shade. <laughs> I'm excited for it. <laughs> Okay, the, read, the, the reason why Reed says that is because it's a, a crime-solving procedural with a comedic twist that follows the unlikely duo of a gruff, sardonic cop and a spirited, clever con woman. Alice is a demoted detective who has unfortunately spent the last year on the maritime unit while Max has been living a transient life, elaborate, elaborately scamming everyone she meets. But when she gets arrested and ends up helping Ellis solve a local crime, the two are offered an opportunity to redeem themselves, with Ellis going back to detective and Max staying out of jail. The catch is that they have to work together and use their unique skills to solve crimes. For Ellis, that means hard-boiled shoe leather police work. And for Max, it means accents, schemes, and generally befriending everyone in sight, which drives Ellis absolutely nuts. The two will have to learn... Wait. Wait. (laughs) I was on board without reading this synopsis when it was announced, and I hadn't gotten this far in the synopsis ever until now. The accents. Yeah, she's going to do it. I'm even more excited. Oh my God, <laughs> Vanessa is going to eat. <laughs> she is. I feel like, so one of the things I'm excited about for this show is that it gives her a vehicle to be the lead. Right? That's yes. really it. She was excellent underline, on Underline, Dale. underline, underline. Yeah, Oh my god, I'm so excited. <laughs> you guys, I'm not even kidding. I never saw that part of the synopsis. I'm freaking out. Uh, well, okay, just to finish it though, um sorry, they I'm have sorry, to learn I'm to sorry. trust one another. You're fine. <laughs> um they have to learn to trust one another and potentially become partners. Obviously they will. It's it's kind of giving castle if you've seen that show, except yeah, yeah, yeah. um it's not between a novelist and a cop. But like these shows always work really well on network. Everyone loves a um odd couple opposite attract style uh pairing i mean that's one of the reasons why i also loved white collar there's just something about okay, the criminal the, working i with was the gonna cop. say after you finished the synopsis i mean after i interrupted the first time i was gonna say it's giving castle and white collar mm-hmm. so that's crazy okay i'm sorry i will stop interrupting you <laughs> my brain twins <laughs> But no, that's it though. I think they don't all they have is the lead. So they only they've cast Vanessa Morgan as Max and Giacomo Giannotti as Ellis. So we don't know who the rest of the cast is going to be. Um oh, it doesn't even matter to me. No, I, I mean it's locked sold. in, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. It's giving, I don't know if you guys ever watched, probably not, because I think I was the only one in the world that watched the show. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, ABC did this summer show called Take Two a few years ago with Rachel Bilson and Eddie Cibrian. I remember seeing mm-hmm. it advertised, but I've never watched that. She was like a a troubled actress who like got caught up in a scandal and she had been on a show like Castle for like 10 years. And then she got like ousted from Hollywood and she ended up, I really don't remember the setup, but she ended up working with Eddie Sabrine, who's a detective. And she put her TV detective skills to work <laughs> as a partner. And they had like, it was a whole ship. It was a great show. Horrible time slot. Like whatever ABC was doing, it was horrible. But it's giving this and I'm so excited because I love that show and I think they're going to be so good together. I've never seen that man act, but I love the concept of him on Grey's Anatomy <laughs> to put it, you know, in that, those terms. Um, I, I'm so excited for the show, you guys. So it we have a like... definite watch for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm on board as well. I feel like I was, I had a line in my head and I 
and little did I know it matched the title. I was going to say that I love shows like or concepts like this when uh, a law uh, a law officer has to work with a wild card. I was like, oh, now I see that. Now I see it. Wild card. Um, like Batman. Obviously, we'll talk about it with Tarzan as well. It's nice when you get to see like the law and someone working outside the law and see the different perspectives on it. And yeah, I think I love the concept already. I feel like it's hard to make that concept fresh, and yet this one is intriguing because. It sounds fresh. And of course, when you've got Vanessa in the mix as the lead, yeah, I, I, I couldn't love this concept more. When I seen it the other day, when you sent it to Sabrina, I was like, yes, finally, something we can watch um, on board. It's like what we've been asking for, too. It really we, does. We've asked for like a procedural with like a, a CW alum in it. I feel like that's what our, our game kind of was at the end of last year, our Mad Libs game. <laughs> I was trying to like pitch joke shows that actually we wanted in the end and oh my, it's i feel like this is beyond our wildest mad lib dreams <laughs> i know i will say that we're probably waiting to around this time or a little bit later for let it i'm cards. fine let it simmer let it get good yeah. good things come <laughs> to those who bet. <laughs> Because according to CBC, it's expected winter 2024. The thing about this, the partnerships between the Canadian companies is the CW is saying it's they're going to be CW originals. But my wonder, I have wonder about the scheduling. Like, will we get it first? Will Canada get it first? Or will they, it will simulcast? Like, I wonder what they're going to decide to do. Um, but winter 2024, the show will be here. We will be watching. We will be reviewing. And it's going to be exciting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm also excited for Sight Unseen. This one doesn't have like a window beyond saying that it's coming in 2024, uh, but it is another procedural. This one um, feels like it's it's a very straightforward, dramatic procedural. Uh, the synopsis is that a top homicide detective is forced to quit the job she loves after nearly killing her partner and being diagnosed as clinically blind. Reluctant to accept help, Tess uses an assistant app and connects with Sunny Patel, a professional seeing eye guide in an agoraphobe living 3,000 miles away. After losing her vision, Tess is haunted by the unsolved case she left behind. So we're going to be on a ride with her. It's going to be fun. This that sounds see again. I did not read the synopsis of <laughs> this one. It was announced. It's like kind of giving in the dark meets mm-hmm. Kim Possible. <laughs> Ooh, I love that. Did not think of that, but you're right. Because like Sunny is gonna be the woman in the chair for sure. I will say we keep coming across agoraphobes in network television, at least right now. There's like Zeke yeah. Wallace on Found. We'll get to it in Tarzan, but there is an agoraphobe in Tarzan. It just seems, I mean, I love the representation, the exploration of that. I don't really know what to call it. Um, you know, not only the professionals, I don't really know what, how to classify agoraphobia, but it's a real thing, people. Um mm. So to continue the synopsis, uh, using a hidden camera and earpiece, Sunny remotely steers Tess, this is the homicide detective, through life's obstacles and crimes as the two challenge preconceptions about ability, trust, and where to draw the line. Apparently, the show is inspired by one of the co-creators' experience with Sight Loss. Um, so it gives a fresh perspective to solving crime. Yeah, I love that. I think that sounds fresh because I know when you read the first few letters or words of the synopsis and it's like a top homicide detective, like we've been here before. And then you read on and you're like, oh, no, wait, this is something different. Um, I know the cast of both of these new shows is certainly the thing that reels us in. But when you read the synopsis, you're like, actually, that's quite different. We may not have seen that before. So I think that's definitely going to be one of the most exciting things about these new shows. And like like we said with uh, Wild Cards, I will be there. I will be watching. I will be excited. And hoping that we finally have CW shows back in our lives because this is an exciting time and a lot more exciting than the last couple of months have been for the CW as far as new shows go. And yeah, Mm -hmm. I'd be on board with this one. They both sound like very pleasantly throwback. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I read the synopsis first, I unseen it also reminded me of Blood Ties, uh, which was this paranormal like crime drama. uh, And the, the the private investigator, she was losing her sight. She's also uh, courting a relationship with an ancient uh, vampire, a centuries-old vampire named Henry Fitzroy. Really enjoyed that show. I just find I, I think it also took place in Canada, so the Canadians, yay! Um, I feel like we these are the types of procedurals we wanted. 
Like we wanted something with comedic bent and we also wanted something that was dramatic. And both of these shows give you the option of being like, oh, this is like a CW show I watched. Oh, this is like a CW show I watched. It it really seems like they're trying to reel people in and it helps that they're casting CW vets in roles because mm-hmm. Daniel Gillies will be in this show. He's going to play Jake, uh, Tess's former partner. He is still cop. And he is her line of communication to the Metro PD. Um, and he's going to be helping to solve the cases. He's a by the book and from the inside of the forest person. And she is an outsider who's doing this by the seat of her pants. It also says while their relationship is mostly professional, Sonny's wondering if something is deeper happening between the two of them that they're not willing to admit. So it looks like we're also going to get a bit of romance in this show as well. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's got everything. It does. A little something for everybody. The cast also includes Jared Joseph, who was on The 100, Tony Guru, who uh, was on Motherland for Salem, and then Alice Christina Corrigan, she's new, so it'll be interesting to see what she does on the screen, because when I went Googling, uh, her her loan credit is for Doctors, which looks like it was some type of soap. So I oh, wonder... Oh, for the British one? Is that the one that just got canceled? Like yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. right. Um, yeah, the British uh, population is not happy to hear the Doctors is coming to an end next year, but yeah, that was strange timing, but... It's introduced a lot of big <laughs> actors into the US TV. I believe Amelia Clark got her start on Doctors as well. So, yeah, excited to see what uh, Alice does with that. Hmm. I'm excited for what the CW has to offer. I know. These feel like a good way to get back on track. Yeah. yeah very much. <laughs> a good gateway. <laughs> yes. So, okay. So, just to keep track, we have uh, Wild Cards, Sight Unseen, The Librarian's Next Chapter, and Joan. It's an yeah. interesting lineup. It's quite a, a, exciting, actually, now when you put it like that. It's nice to have more than just the the one or the two shows and among all the uh, acquisitions. So this, yeah, this is the right direction. Mm-hmm. Feels like we're we're climbing that ladder. We are. We're also continuing to climb the ladder of sports TV. Michael, I'm going to pass it to you because we got some wrestling news, potentially. When I said the CW needed to bring back wrestling, this was not what I meant. But anyways, um. So NWA Wrestling is reportedly coming to the CWA. Uh, I am quite familiar with NWA Wrestling. I know they mentioned it a lot in WWE over the years. It was one of the big original uh, wrestling uh, brands. But uh, Billy Corgan, who currently owns it, did tease on, on a radio show a little while ago that they had signed a deal with a top 20 network. I believe uh, NWA was recently on YouTube. So it's been a long time since it's had a TV deal. But now, according to House of Wrestling, that network is, of course, the CWA. Um, it has not been officially announced yet, so we'll hold off on uh, speculating about that until it is. But uh, Billy Corgan did tease that it was a top 20 network. And we do know, of course, that the CW is one of the big five networks. Um, so it does line up. This this network has history with wrestling. Of course, they aired Friday Night Smackdown from 2006 to 2008 or 9, I believe. Um but what's interesting is, like I said, NWA used to be the most influential wrestling body until the big explosion of the WWF slash WWE in the 1980s. And you had the likes of Hulk Hogan, The Undertaker, everyone just carry that off into the next generation. NWA continued to exist, but it was never the monster that it used to be. Now that it's back on TV, could this turn things around? Could WWE finally have a big like rival outside of AEW in the way that NWA used to be? We'll have to wait and say. I mean, as the wrestling fan in me is excited to know that the CW is going to be airing wrestling again. But considering SmackDown's broadcast rights literally went up for sale because it's leaving Fox next year and USA Network bought them and like mm, missed a bit of an opportunity to bring back SmackDown back home to the CW. But oh, well, um, I will definitely check out NWA Wrestling. You've never been, I've never been able to watch it over here and everyone talks about it with such respect, such legacy. Never been able to say it. So I'll definitely give it a check out, give it a watch and check it out, see what it's like. But yeah, exciting times for the wrestling fans. I'm glad that the NWA fans will finally have a place to watch it on television again, if true. Now, what does NWA mean? I've never heard of this. National Wrestling Alliance. I believe that's what mm-hmm. it stands for. Um, okay. Yeah, for the, it's, it sounds old fashioned when you say it out loud, but it, like I said, it was, one, it was the original big wrestling company until the WWF kicked it out of the uh, landscape. Um, but it has continued to exist. It's found deals here, there, and everywhere. And, uh, and most recently, it's been on YouTube for a long time. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it translates to television because 
WWE was the monster in its own field for decades. Of course, WCW tried. Then that eventually went out of business. TNA tried. It's not really the monster that it is anymore. Now we have AEW competing. Will there be a third uh, wrestling uh, brand now on the tele- on television in the US uh, taking part in that war? That'll be interesting to say. But yeah, it's exciting time for the wrestling fans. I'm excited for it. I just wish we could have had SmackDown back home. Or Raw, especially since it's leaving USA next year. Um, but oh well, we'll see where it goes. I'm just happy to have wrestling back on US TV again that isn't WWE. <laughs> I had not watched wrestling since I was a child, but <laughs> perhaps, you know, for the sake of the pod, turning the TV on to get the experience, if it is um, confirmed that the CW has picked up the rights to air NWA wrestling, I, it is intriguing though. Like it's, this seems, when we were talking about sports TV and we were complaining, so we were saying that they needed to go in the realm of the previous CW regime of the way that they were um, airing WWE, right, Michael? Mm-hmm. So yeah. this does seem like we're getting back to roots, um, like not necessarily getting back to basics, but I kind of like grassroots. Yeah. Gonna... End of thought. <laughs> <laughs> Like we went way, way back in the machine and they were like, you know what we should do? We should bring back the wrestling, which I mean, Mole, you were listening to us. This is not what we thought you were going to bring back, but you know, we don't know what the budget is. <laughs> so maybe this is true. the Mole was like, this is the best I could do. You'll take it or you won't take it, but this is what you're getting. <laughs> we were stressing the Mole out and she was like, I got to deliver. <laughs> yeah. She take that box. Um, it would have been interesting if they managed to get SmackDown back because I believe in 2006, SmackDown performed very well for the CW on Friday nights, bringing in about 2.5 million. In today's day and age, SmackDown still draws 2.5 million on for Fox. So it would have been interesting to see that if it had landed back on the CW, would there, would there have been sudden ratings fall off just because it hopped to the CW? Or could it have managed to carry that uh, that viewership over and from Fox? Isn't that still like kind of pull like John Cena and The Rock sometimes? Don't they yeah. sometimes pop in? Yeah. I'm, am I wrong? I don't know. I see headlines and I try to know what they mean, but I'm like, oh, he's doing something. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, John Cena is still signed with the company, so he tur- he returns like every six months for like a four or five week stint, and then like stick like, them hey. on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Here. Um, the, the 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 old era. Um, they built such huge stars. I love wrestling so much, but the star power isn't as strong as it used to be, which is why every every time WrestleMania rolled around, they had a car- the card full of The Undertaker, The Rock, Stone Cold, Hulk Hogan, yeah, John Cena. Um, That's the stars. I was ask. I was like, does who does MB and not NBA, NWA. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's it, the funny thing. It's kind of like a full circle moment because the NWA produced some of the biggest WWE stars before they joined WWE in the 80s and the 90s. Um, I think Hulk Hogan wrestled for it back in the early 80s. Don't quote me on that. But like, yeah, ever since the reason WWE became so successful is it could it put the E, which is stands for entertainment in the wrestling brand. It's not just sports. That's why I'm happy that the, that's why I loved it with WWE when it was on the CW. This wasn't sports TV. It was sports entertainment. And the current CW regime has gone too far in the sports territory. You have to remember you're an entertainment channel. That's why mm-hmm. I think WWE would have worked perfectly on it because it stands for world wrestling entertainment. Mm-hmm. It put the entertainment in it. Not that NWA won't have its own form of entertainment it's still as the wrestling fans i could say kayfabe which means fictional with characters so there is entertainment in there it's just you don't get more entertainment as far as wrestling goes than wwe it is a tv show i think i'm quoted on this podcast to say it's basically a long-running soap so i mean like that would have been perfect for it but uh, not to shed nwa it was the original legend that maybe now is its chance to make a comeback to tv so rooting for it maybe they'll rebrand yeah who knows start of a new era for them well i feel like this is a good opportunity to tease uh so caleb asked us to watch i believe it was 2006 wwe on the cw we are going to do that we don't know when but we are going to do that in this third season um as y'all can hear michael is a big fan so reed and i will be (laughs) getting so much education michael i think it'll be another time for you to to give us the knowledge like you did um when you did was it marvel madness it was. That it's been nearly two years now. It's been a long time since I've led an episode. So I'll put, put my WWE hat on. I know. 
we've been on the air for too long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to go back back in time because that was an interesting era for the CW as well as terms of as far as programming. Um, Where's that streaming? The WWE Are we gonna have Network? to? And um, here's the thing: the WWE YouTube channel tends to upload a lot of matches from 2006 and seven on their YouTube account, okay. so you might just be able to watch that. Okay. If if not, yeah, we'll figure that out. <laughs> this is going to be such a knowledge building exercise. I'm yeah. very excited about <laughs> it. Uh, but before we move into Tarzan, we also, um, Mom, not sorry. I know we can one more assignment, Mom. <laughs> <One more. laughs> But so when we were um, conceptualizing this episode, we had also fallen down a Robin Carr, um, I guess, plot hole, like uh, not plot hole, like story hole, um, because we were thinking about like, if the CW decided to pick up another one of her book series, what would they choose? And we landed on um, Thunderpoint. Struck gold. Very much struck gold. I mean, there's so many stories that they could possibly adapt. I think... Is we like checked out the plots of each one, compelling characters, compelling like storylines. It, it just had everything. There was so much. Like each one we clicked on, we we're like, wait, 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 this one. No, 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 this one. Oh, <laughs> this one. <laughs> it was just so good. <laughs> it was. I think so. I what makes it great too is it should appeal to the broader audience that the CW wanted. I mean, because a lot of the stories are about, I think at least two of them are about single parents who are raising their children who fall in love. Uh, there's there's people who have are running from certain circumstances who find their place in the small town. Um, everything interconnects because it is a romance book series. Uh, full of standalones but obviously like if you wanted to catch up on everybody's stories you'd have to read each book uh and you can just throw them all together in a series call yeah, a day or pick true. out the best ones mm. i feel like that's what they did with virgin river but i again i have no idea i don't know i shouldn't have said that because <laughs> <laughs> each virgin river book i want to say is about somebody different and i'm assuming what we see on netflix is characters that are in the books mm-hmm but I I'm think sh- Thunder Thunderpoint, that title is so strong. Like yeah. it's mm-hmm. too strong not to be on television. I Do never thought we would be know? sitting here champion champion championing this kind of programming on the CW, but you know, it's good enough. We yeah. need it. We're, we're, we're versatile. We just came off talking about wrestling and now we're talking about that. Um, like, contain multitudes. Without a doubt. Um, yeah, I, did, I knew nothing about this. I tell you a couple of days ago when we had this conversation, everyone listening, it was an educational experience for me. Um, reading Sabrina like taught me all about everything I learned. Um, I tell you, I want the Thunderpoint cinematic universe. No idea what to expect from it, but the CW is the place to bring it to life. Yes. Yeah, I don't know where they'd set it. Well, it's supposed to take place in Oregon, but you know what we're doing? We're doing different things around um, the CW when it comes to filming locations. But I just, it really does feel like the type of series that if the CW was trying to get something wholesome, but still actiony, this would be, this would be the book series to adapt. And they're already courting the Virgin River fans anyway. Like we're already Very here. Much so. Adapt yeah. Thunderpoint. Make it happen. Yes. Those are your marching orders, Mom. (laughs) I'd say, like, choose them or don't choose them, but you know how this works. Like, we have ideas. (laughs) You take them to the CW. And we know that, like, the WB gave you, like, a fat check. We saw it last, like, during the summer, right? We were like, wait a second. Look at all this content that that we've been talking about. I think she's getting commission. (laughs) I think she is. For doing a damn good job. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but 
If you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Moving into Tarzan, uh, I have to say, I think this is the best episode since the pilot. I think I would agree. It's very strong. Very strong episode. It has its pitfalls, but they're the same pitfall we've been complaining about since episode two. Yeah, and they felt <laughs> less prevalent in this one. Um, yes. I think that's why it worked out well. No, I really enjoyed this episode because there was, I, I, I'll not jump around, but there was a lot of like character work in it. Now, some of it was basic network TV character work and they're like, right, that's in the box, we'll move on next week. But generally, we, Jane in particular, we did say we were struggling with. I still don't think this was a perfect example of that, but... She's going places, you know, she's mm-hmm. starting to think outside the box and she's struggling with that. And I'm okay with that. Again, just wish there was more than eight episodes so we could stretch it out a bit longer, but we're getting there. We also saw some nice character work for Tarzan, which has been more subtle lately, but this one was a bit more t- t- towards the forefront. Um, yeah, that's how I look on. I really enjoyed this episode too, particularly for that reason. I like the case too. I, th- I feel like mm-hmm. the cases keep getting better, even though this one might be a little... I don't know, triggering in this day and age, but it was compelling. Like, I didn't know really where they were going with it. I enjoyed the twist. I feel like we've seen that before. Riverdale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. I really enjoyed the case of the week this week as well. Um, you're right. They are getting stronger. My one gripe is that we still, the characters involved in the case of the week aren't important to the storyline. And yeah, this is true. We don't know anything about them. That kid showed up in a cameo appearance, say hello to the police and goodbye to the police. And then suddenly he's the main character involved in the plot line. The father who they were hunting for the whole episode had one scene in the whole episode. We like our procedurals to make us care about the characters and this ain't doing that. But you know, Again, mini movie, as far as it goes there, the, the plot ticked all the boxes and they did a pretty solid job of it. I just wish we got to learn more about the characters involved in it. I know. I, what was interesting to me, though, about the case, and I, this couldn't have been a coincidence. So I checked to see when the episode aired uh, is October 26th, which is two days after uh, the anniversary of the arrest of the DC sniper and his accomplice. And I couldn't, like, that whole setup was a completely different situation. The DC sniper was killing innocent people. Uh, but, like, in this one, it's still a sniper situation. This is a, a vigilante. I was like, you had to have built that around a case that had become famous yeah. in, in the nation mm-hmm. without, like, of course, uh, trying to to represent that. It's a clearly a different concept, but a sniper is involved. In this case, it's a white lone gunman instead of um, two, well, one black man and a black team. So I could just, I was like, mm, okay, fine, we're, we're going there. But I felt like we at least, there were stakes to the sniper situation. Uh, I felt, I wish there was a bit more terror as far as like the, what was going on in the city. I know it was, it was they had only had two victims um, before we launched fully into the case. Uh, but I say that because one of the police officers was like, boss, like, I don't want this we don't want this to get in the way of doing Mike's case. And I was like, sorry, there's a sniper running loose in New York city. Mm-hmm. Mike's case needs to be solved, but there's a sniper loose in New York city. <laughs> like yeah. the, the has to, Mike's case has to take a backseat. Very much. Huh? Like people were in danger. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, And the reason I agree with you is I thought the terror really kicked in towards the end when Jane was like, his car's here. Okay. That I'm going to start really running. Well done. That was, was so really excellent. Well um, and I was like, oh, that made me set up. And I was like, we knew Jane was going to survive. But for a, for a hot minute there, you were like, run, run. Like that Jurassic Park moment when you know the dinosaurs behind you. You're like, run. I thought that was brilliant. I kind of wish we had that earlier in the episode. I loved that scene. Was it the cargo ship they were on? And Tarzan's yeah. chasing the guy and he sees the car. And I was like, of course, it's a lime green car. The most <laughs> distinctive car in the world. <laughs> and it was gleaming too. The car is being taken care of. Like it's just yeah. really pretty car. I was I trying think... to be so obvious. It's like, <laughs> I, I did. To, uh, this is our mid-season finale for Tarzan. Obviously not the planned one. But it did have... Um, a mid-season finale feel to it because of the fact that Jane got shot. 
and then her life was in danger again. I, my heart did beat. Uh, like it just, it stopped for a second when I was like, not her getting shot. I still have half the episode left. And they're like, oh, bulletproof vest. And I was like, oh. Well, still though, like Tarzan's panic. Kudos to Travis Fimmel for the um, acting there. No words, I think, again, just heavy breathing and crying and, try, and trying to make sure she was okay. I enjoyed that. Very much up. There were a lot of sequences that are a couple. I wish I would have written it down. A, a few sequences where there weren't really dialogue that I was like, what am I getting from, like, what am I supposed to be? Do you guys remember what scene I'm talking about? I can't remember what it was. But I remember Between sitting there them? watch. I don't know if it was the two of them or just Tarzan. But there was a scene I remember sitting there and I was like, what's, what are we doing? What's was it, happening? It Was it the one on the end, at the end after he saved her and he just kind of stood and looked at her with like an angry look on his face before he hopped off the roof? Yes. Um, is, was that it? <laughs> okay. uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, why? He's mad at her sense of justice. So, like, as a vigilante, even though Jane doesn't want to call him one, he doesn't see why you would stop a sniper who's only targeting people who've done heinous crimes. Like, the man that she saves um, assaulted an 11-year-old. And so he was just like, hello, he's vile. Like, if if someone decides to kill him and someone decides to kill him, like, I'm not understanding where, like, how is your, uh, her line of justice is, I guess they both have lines of justice that are black and white, but they just have different rules that they play by. He's like, you do something heinous, you deserve to die. She's like, uh, only the actual authorities are able to make that decision, not mm-hmm. random citizens. And he's like, why does it matter? If someone does something horrible, they should retaliate. There should be yeah, retaliation cause... for their crimes. Rules do play, I mean, the episode's called Rules of Engagement. And rules play a big part in this episode because she's like, we need rules, don't touch me. Not in a in a um bad way. Just he's very his love language is physical touch. And she's like, whoa, jump back, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then there's that one scene where they're in that alleyway or something, and he's like, Your rules don't make sense, and then he huffs off he walks off in a huff um but i felt like the resolution toward the end when she comes to him and she's like you're right my rules don't make sense it was just really loaded to me because it felt like it was about more than the don't touch me like we need Mm -hmm. physical distance it just the rules became about more than just that and i was like it got a little convoluted in the build-up to the for me at least it got a little a little much because i was like i don't know it's, it's more about their physical intimacy by the end of the episode. I don't know. Maybe I was looking too far into it. I, I do think it, this episode is trying to engage us in this idea that uh, Jane is carrying immense guilt that a man who she was going to move in with and who she who asked her to marry him has passed away in um, a traumatic um, way for her and yet it has not stopped her from wanting to see Tarzan from being giddy when she sees Tarzan Tarzan even though he's not responsible but he was there like like the fight happened because of the ten- tension between Mike and him and so I think she's as a rule follower as a woman who's supposed to know how she feels at any given moment she's struggling with the idea that it just doesn't seem to matter to her heart and I guess in this case, her physical reaction to Tarzan, she's not turned off by him at all. And she feels like she should be. I, I, by the end of the episode, I was like, it looks like the rule just needs to be, Jane, that you should be allowed to grieve. And y'all should just keep your distance for him and, and then sort of pursue something if you want to pursue. Because Mike's been dead for maybe two weeks. So her conflict here makes sense. But it's also like, mm-hmm. girl, then just leave Tarzan alone. Have Sam be the middle person since he mm. got to talk to Tarzan today in this episode. Speaking of her grief, was the intro the same this week as last week, like the previously on like intro? Was it the same exact like voiceover? I think it was slightly different. Yeah. Wrong. I don't know if it was just, it was the first time I like paid full attention to it, but like the opening line was like, Detective Jane Porter had everything she ever wanted. Yeah. <laughs> was, like, was that relationship really everything she wanted? <laughs> I don't know. I'm poking holes in that one. <laughs> what in the early 2000s? Um, and it yeah. just felt like very male gazy that intro. It's like she clearly was struggling, 
even if mm-hmm. she had everything she wanted, like the career and a relationship, it was like it didn't seem like it was all she wanted. <laughs> and I think that and I don't know whether that plays into reconflict, but I know what you mean. All we get from reconflict. Sabrina hit the nail on the head she's trying to grieve uh, Michael but at the same time still feeling these things for Tarzan that grief or that conflict makes total sense but are we rose tinting glasses or relationship with him by looking back on it we're not really getting into that because I know we only had two episodes to dissect that but those were not two good episodes in terms of that relationship that man was not showing anything that should be everything she ever wanted um so is 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 the just the conflict there feel, i you, irrespective of the fact she was in a relationship and she probably felt like she was being a little unfaithful to him by having these feelings again get that but we're still not th- looking, thinking about what Michael did before he died, how quick he turned, the fact that he took a lot of her autonomy away from her, the fact that he showed up in an apartment when she wasn't even there and then started accusing her of all sorts. Um, I think we've left that storyline in the past. So every time she brings but it up, we we're really just do need, We need the bomb to drop that he was in cahoots with Tarzan's uncle. Mm, I feel like we're not I feel like that, that would. Though. I know they they're really good at planting the seeds and then forgetting. Them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm like that would be a good uh bomb to drop on Jane because she'd probably be confronted with that information and not believe it. But then I think it would help to shift her perspective on who Michael was mm-hmm. to realize he wasn't. But I feel like she has to know that he was kind of a bad dude. <laughs> I feel like maybe, you know what? I take back what I said about it possibly about it not happening because it's quite possible that it could. And I say that be because the in this episode, the way that the conflict between Tarzan and Jane gets resolved in terms of their disagreement about how to handle a vigilante sniper is that the sniper just goes after Jane. Mm-hmm. like there was no real I was like that kind of let me down a bit because I was like no I actually like the tension between them the fact that Tarzan now agrees with her because the sniper attacked her and and she ended up being right because she's like you can't it's still a bad person he's like how do you know and then he goes after her and I was like okay well yeah. that was too simple I like the nuance of it being just a vigilante sniper yeah, exactly. And on paper, it still sounds a bit nuanced in the fact that Tarzan literally ignored his own advice because he was like, this person's killing bad people, so they're a good person. Um, But yet the minute it impacted him, the minute it Im- impacted Jay and Tarzan switched and followed the sniper. But on the other hand of things, I why did that sniper specifically target Jane? It was Sam was carting the man off. Tarzan was there as well. Why did he specifically target Jane for anything other than storyline purposes? Yeah, he was like, she was getting too close. And I was like, babe, they were all close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should have been targeting everybody. But I was like, not just her. I could see why it went, if, if if he saw her cart the father out of the house, that would have put a target on her back, which is why he followed her again in the end. But that's not the moment he sinked in on her. The moment he targeted her was on the boat, which was before that. And I'm like... Why her? There were three people involved with this. Why are we just going after yeah. the one other than the fact, like we said, plot? It doesn't make sense. I, I do think it's like we're we're rolling along with this episode and they need the twist. So like we so then suddenly like it's not the the is he retired the retired cop? It's his son. His son is acting out a hero fantasy because apparently he's not um there's something a little off about him and he wasn't able to graduate from the police academy flunked out and so this is his way of making his father proud and it's like the, the way that we're hooking up into this doesn't quite make sense i it, also he's quite skilled like not to say that his father couldn't have trained him very well and whatever training he'd gotten in the police academy helped him with that but the amount of skill that he had was was very it was expertise there in a way that he probably shouldn't have had it was alarming. Yeah. Like, and I get it. So for the plot was I'm like, yeah, it doesn't quite make sense unless, you know, I mean, we know that the father wasn't involved, but if the father had been involved, that would have also been intriguing. And he was so down to take the fall for his kid. Yeah. That was the Riverdale reference I made earlier. If anybody <laughs> listening or watching was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and the thing, it, it just, it never felt like I carried the stick to shut up. The father was just like totally nonchalant. What do you mean? What do you mean it was my son? It was me. Me. No big deal. You know, he gave them nothing. And then James was like, well, we got you. And I was like, what? He didn't admit to anything. Yeah, yeah, we're going to pick, we're going to go pick your child up. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. And this story, again, on paper sounds so good. This son, angry at the world, wanting to finish his father's, the jobs his father never quite got done for him, sounds so good. But uh, the, the the clever exposition let it down because we were fed all that for information by Jane saying, let me tell you how this went down. And then she just feeds the information back to us. And like at the end of the day, we were just told this when that sounded far more interesting than hearing the words again i get that would have a modern procedural might a british procedural might have spent time to actually show us the storyline play out but because they didn't want us to know who the person was even though we kind of figured out who the person was before that it just kind of let it down a little bit um yeah on paper this is the best of the procedural story so far but i feel like again for the third week run and the execution kind of let it down and i am kind of looking forward to after this episode what i'm hoping for next is some movement on the whole Tarzan being an asset to the police force because I feel like we're getting past the point of um but I mean I feel like a first season could uh sustain a procedural storyline with like we need to keep him safe and secret and they use him as like a secret asset but I feel like for like three weeks in a row Jane has been using Tarzan to solve these cases and putting Sam in a sticky situation where they can't really admit where they got this information. Like they have to make that up as they go along to make it seem like they solved the case. So I'm like, I kind of, I want there to be movement on the whole clearing Tarzan's name and allowing him to freely help the police force if that's an option. I don't know. It's just uh, every time... Again, Jane's like, you gotta go. <laughs> like, I wish he didn't have to go. I feel bad for the guy, constantly telling him to get lost. It's like that's mm -hmm. what I'm not I'm trying not to criticize, but I'm trying to manifest to be hopeful <laughs> that it's still coming, that there's movement in the storyline and it's we're not constantly, you know, playing that cat and mouse. Maybe next episode or uh I say that because of the way that they shoved Richard into the story as yeah. if we were uh, setting up the plot for that uh poor Donald who just wanted to give the information that he had and then be left alone to explain that he saw that it was an accident like and it was that was not it's not a homicide it's just unfortunate um what happened I don't like that Rich Richard has him now because Jane wouldn't at least try to see if she could find a friendly person in the station who would be able to take this story into account and um, not have this be used against Tarzan. I don't know, but Donald is an agoraphobe and they need to take him back to his apartment. <laughs> I just, I felt really bad because he was emotional. Well, he was becoming agitated and emotional in his apartment when he was explaining to Jane why he didn't want to go to court because he can't leave his house. And now he's left his house um exposure therapy is necessary when treating agoraphobia but he needs a licensed professional to help him and definitely does need to be in a gigantic mansion with a stranger his yeah. office is not the place for him I was, I was so disappointed by the way that story turned out because at first you're like oh wait they can actually get away with this i like the fact they were bringing the main show story into the plot of the week as well and that jane had to stop investigating the sniper to go and deal with this and then it was easier than it looked at and i know when something's easier than it should be it'll obviously get a lot more difficult in the next episode or whatever but my our man richard did not appear until 30 minutes in the episode we did not need him in this episode and I said last week that all he does is stand in the corner of a room for a single scene in an episode and plot. And then in this episode, he's stood what? in the corner of a room. Yeah, exactly. It's getting very, very evil villain, like I say every week. And he's just standing there saying, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then it never happens. And my, perhaps the biggest plot hole in the whole series so far is he told someone to follow Jane last week. And then that never went anywhere. I was like, well, clearly she's in the wind. She lost them. But no, actually, we find out they've been following her the whole time. And you mean to tell me they've been following her the whole time and they've never seen her interact with Tarzan once? Not once. Like, she's been, like, glued to that man's side. She's been literally driving to uh, Richard's sister's house to see Tarzan. And you don't know where Tarzan is? Really? You know what I mean? That's strange. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I feel like I wish Richard wasn't actually um, John Senior's brother, but rather his rival or something. 
it would just make a little bit more sense. Uh, or if we got some type of understanding about their relationship, well, I would like Kathleen to be able to talk about other things. I, I did enjoy the conversation she had with, with Tarzan about his dad and who her, who he was to her. Finding out she was a teenager when he passed away, which explains her her inability to let, to give up hope, her trying to talk to Tarzan about hope and grief uh, was, I thought, wonderful. And you kind of got a picture of who John Sr. was, like clearly mm-hmm. kind-hearted man, loved his sister. Um, she adored him. She had hero worship. I just felt like this makes sense. Kathleen is the better option. I wish Kathleen had more complexity. No, I still want her to be like kind of low-key got an agenda and be secretly evil. <laughs> like, I would like that. I would like an agenda, even if it's not secretly evil. I, I would like her to have an agenda using her connection to his father as a means of getting yeah. potentially $6 billion from him. But I feel like we're not going to do that. Yeah, that scene where she was talking about his dad with him, where she was she was saying it's hard to let go of the grief or hard to let go of the hope. I wanted one more line where she was expressing how she was so happy that he's back or something. Mm-hmm. Like now I have mm-hmm. a piece of that or something. And to your point, Sabrina, about wishing Richard wasn't his brother, it could have like, I don't know, I was just thinking it could have been interesting if it was Tarzan's mom's brother. Mm-hmm. And like he was a rival to John Senior, John mm-hmm. Tarzan's dad, and maybe Kathleen <laughs> had like some sort of twisted affair. I'm pl- I'm tur- I want so desperately <laughs> to turn the show into a self. <laughs> <laughs> that would mean good. I know what you mean with about the relationship. I really liked the f- one of the scenes where the two of them shared where they're getting to know each other a bit more. But again our eternal struggle the opening when uh, Kathleen went in to bring Tarzan his food. Also, I did laugh because one of the discussions we had last week was, does this guy ever eat? And well, now she's going to make sure she's going to make sure he eats. <laughs> that um, went flying. <laughs> did. Um, and just an awkward silence after it. And I get they're adjusting to each other, but like Tarzan's given her nothing. Like she's nice to him. She buys him new clothes and she gives him food. She lets him hang around in his greenhouse. Um, and he's like too much talking got to go now and he just like jumps out the window and yet again he's in the wind again she's like can you at least tell me where you're going this time nothing he gives her nothing um he's but- like i don't know i've been in new york for like two days I don't know where I am. <laughs> like, yeah mom um but like it's it just it it feels like it's going around in circles because then it did have the nice scene but like I just nobody's saying how they feel and I feel like just I wanted a little bit more but I'm glad that relationship's heading in the right direction we're just pressing the slow button on it just to drag it out a little bit longer but you did see she was a little frustrated at the end when Jane came in she was like oh it's been an adjustment so you can see she's struggling with this and I'm like is this gonna lead to anything um I just we're halfway through <laughs> I know I just want to know if I like her because she's genuine like can I like her do I trust her or do mm-hmm. I like her because there's something that's not revealed about her yet? Like, I just can't, I don't know if that's just my own reading because I'm bringing my own expectations into this character in the show. I do like her, but I'm like, I, why do I like her? You know what I mean? I'm like, why is there something more that untapped potential? I don't know. But speaking of the clothes, um, Tarzan's closet montage. <laughs> <laughs> The song did not match the funny mo- funny and cute moment where he had the hat on. Oh, no. And he walked off and he couldn't say, like, who turned out the lights? <laughs> I know. It was so cute. And I was like, the, the song is not, it's a great song for the moment, for the tone of the show. But I was like, the, not this scene. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe it should have switched when he was alone trying on the clothes because it, re- it worked at first. And then the hat comes down. Like, oh, but it's a funny moment. But mm-hmm. the song's yeah. not funny. It's not, it's, what was it? It was an indie ballad, yeah. I think, is, is what it was. I mean, nice. 2003 for sure. For sure. That mm-hmm. would be with the selection. I, I did like, though, that we got to see Travis is good in this role because he doesn't have a lot of dialogue. So he has to convey a lot via his body and facial expressions mm-hmm. um, or acting choices in terms of what he's doing with the clothing. So I thought um, like the way he put on John Senior's jacket and then the little cute moment with, with the with the hat just said a lot about 
who Tarzan is as a person and his desire to know more about his dad, but also his inability to figure out like clothing of this century. Um, mm -hmm. It was just uh, both adorable and like character development, character pieces um, that they gave us, which they don't give us those a lot. I, I still love Jane. Do love Jane. I need Nikki to move to the door. I, I did. Listen, that was a, I was going to bring this off. That was a really serious scene when she was saying about how she's struggling with this. And I had to pause the episode and have a good laugh to myself. Because when we said about Nikki, two things, she walks through doorways wearing red. And then Nikki appeared on screen last night, walking through a doorway, wearing a red jumper. Was it red? I it didn't was even, red. It was. I brought that up and I didn't even call <laughs> it. was. And then later on, we have that like really cute scene, which completely felt like it should have taken place in another episode between Tarzan and Jen in the room and she's like you kind of stop jumping through my windows um even though she was like trying to get set in boundaries earlier on Sam shows up and you know rightly the only reason Tarzan was there was because Sam could show up but Nikki greeted him at the door walking through a doorway wearing that red jumper again I'm like give this girl something like they give her an orange jumper she was going to bed sitting in that trailer for 14 hours for her to walk <laughs> walk through with one line of dialogue oh my gosh i was waiting in that first scene in the kitchen which first of all it started out weird because she walks into the scene and she says something like oh no and i'm like yes rag on jane but then she goes from that right into where are the plates and i was like disconnect that's not what i yeah. thought you were about to say mm -hmm. i thought it was gonna be something else but then further on in that scene when she's sitting down and eating breakfast I was waiting for Nikki to really pop off and say something actually helpful and maybe push back against Jane. Not what we got. <laughs> yeah. it, no, I I was hopeful for that scene because I thought we were going to pass the Bechtel test. We did not. But I thought we, we started off so strong as far as being able to pass it. The scene I was confused about as well because she does like pause and it was like, what's happening here? I feel like we haven't spent enough time in their kitchen to know the changes that uh, Jane has same. made. <laughs> yes. So when she was like, where is everything? I was like, it just looks tidy in here. That's the only thing. And she does. I know it's supposed to give us the information that when stressed, Jane makes lists and Jane cleans. Makes total sense. Per perhaps Nikki like, was walking into the kitchen while Jane was doing the rearranging or like mm -hmm. finishing the rearranging. Where Jane didn't go to sleep that night. And she's like, and so Nikki's like, I left you in this kitchen at 10 last night. I come back at 10 in the morning and you were still here. Did but you But once sleep? again, Nikki is confined to this apartment set. Mm -hmm. In four episodes, we have not seen her outside the walls of this apartment. <laughs> and she's not allowed to talk about her life. Like, we know nothing all. about this We know this nothing. Because I... even in her second scene, it's just her listening to Jane talking about, we're just struggling, we're just struggling. And that's all she gets to do is say, it's okay. And all she did in the second scene was open the door for Sam, I believe. That was it, wasn't it? Yeah, she said um, Sam's here and then walked, walked off through, through that same doorway arch. Um, but like, none of us were fans of Michael, but he had more means to be a series regular than this girl. They're giving her absolutely nothing. We saw Michael's yeah. life outside the station. We saw everything. We knew what he was thinking. We followed his processes. She, Nikki's got absolutely nothing to do other than be a sounding board for Jan. Um, see, I'm curious, like, to see what the back half of the season has because you know, if I, they would have to get more creative with using characters and bringing her into the plot, like maybe Jane uses her as like a go undercover or something. Mm -hmm. Like, we need you to talk to this person, and she becomes involved in that way, and then it helps branch out her character or something. But it's just crazy to see. Leighton Meester in the opening credits when she's just not being serviced mm -mm. in the way that's deserving of her talent. But perhaps this is, it all worked out in her favor that the show, she didn't get stuck on the show for five seasons being a secondary character. She got to four years later, be the star of her own show. So, I mean, Everything works out in the end. Yeah. <laughs> if the show had gone on for five seasons, Nikki would have been working from home after she they graduated. <laughs> yeah, they either would have written her off after season one and she still would have done Gossip Girl or they would have just kept her on and kept her... She would have opened like a cafe in season three and Jane would have stopped in. She'd be talking to Jane about her problems. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be shackled to that cafe. Um, 
uh, I was going to say something. And, and this is not that this is no slight on the way that they've built these characters. Nikki is one of the most potentially interesting characters because aside from Sam, she is the only per other person who knows everything. The problem is all those reveal scenes took place off screen because Nikki wasn't deemed important enough to be part of the main plot. But she knows everything. She could have sat and watched uh, Sam and uh, Jane have that conversation because she knows everything. There's no need, need to keep her off screen. So if she knows everything, she knows all the secrets, all the secret identities and everything going on behind the scenes. That makes her one of the most integral parts of the plot. Use that. She's instantly more important to the storyline than two or three of the other supporting characters. And yet she's stuck in as many corners as Richard is. There's just, nobody's moving. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Has Nikki met Tarzan? No, which I'm no. surprised about. I'm hoping before we finish this eight episode short lived run, um, yeah. that he hops through the window expecting to see Jane and he actually sees Nikki. Because I just kind of I need Nikki yet. to see him and be like, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> which she would. She's like, oh, yeah, I understand. They're with you, sis. Yeah, okay. <laughs> They did give us ages, by the way, for this. Um, well, not ages, age ranges. Mid twenties. Yes, I was like, hmm. A little older than I thought, but it works. It, yeah. it kind of adds to what they were giving with the show was just a little bit more mature than what I guess the rest of the network gave, which mm-hmm. makes sense why it was paired with Charmed because aren't they all in their twenties? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, they all are in their twenties. I I will say though, I thought. Tarzan was his early. It was in his early twenties, and Jane was in her mid to late twenties. Mm-hmm. By how and it might have just been the way that they've write, written them, where he's supposed to be like innocent but fierce, and she's supposed to be uh, mature and settled. And um, but as they go, I mean, if there was an age gap, it'd have been fine. I felt like that 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 was true about their relationship. At least to me, that's how I was reading it. She seemed older, but yeah, I mean, there there could still be like a two year age difference. It could be, but I thought it was a significant gap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll have to look up. I never looked up the actors' ages. Oh, at no, the time. no, no. I'll have to look that up. But I'm also, I have to remember what day and age of TV that we were doing this in. They, were, mm-hmm. they don't do older women, younger man relationships on TV in the 2000s, early 2000s. They, they barely do it now. Yeah, you're correct. Yes. Oh, they did on Dawson's Creek. Jen dated a freshman as a senior, and that was a scandal. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it was a sophomore. Either way, it was like, you know, Scandalous. in high school, it's like, whoa, you're so much younger than me. And it's like, you're all at the same school. I don't know. <laughs> For senior and freshman, I could get the scandal of it all because that yeah. is a significant gap. Uh, there was something else I wanted to say. Oh, the, the uh, episode was written by Molly Newman. And she's another person now I want to talk to. <laughs> but I think it's also because like to circle back to the plot about the sniper, I do wonder since they did have a father and son that it was his son isn't a teenager, but he's a, he's a young man. Um and uh, is an older um he's an older man. Maybe potentially it was supposed to um be a, a duo situation, but the network was like too close to the dynamics mm-hmm. of the DC sniper, do not do that. Maybe. Especially with it being airing a year after. Because I felt like it did, that plot twist, uh, while it is a twist, I also felt like it slowed down the momentum and took away some of the sense of, because mm. like, it would have made, to me, to go back to what you both were saying about like why target Jane, it would have made sense, like Michael had mentioned about if he'd seen her take his dad away. Like his dad yeah. was like, no, I'm going to take the fall. You were with me. You were helping me, but I'm going to take the fall. Mm-hmm. And, and that is... That is how they they did the story. But maybe it was like that originally, and they were just like, we, we can't do that. Yeah, it was an interesting spin on it because at first, when they had uh, the whole point of this show and why we're using Tarzan senses is to solve the mysteries, and we find out who, or at least the family that was at the heart of this, very quickly. They found Jane and Sam are basically like, we got our guy, but he's on a hunting trip somewhere else, even though we know he's hunting in the city. I was like, okay, so we were committed to this. We know he's the killer. And then, of course, the big twist came halfway through that he wasn't. That was an interesting spin on it because the only reason we find out that it wasn't was because Tarzan saw that the driver was younger, whereas normally he would have sensed it or he would have like heard his breathing or something to make him make him know. But 
the show didn't pick up on that. We just found all that out through dialogue. So it was, yeah, it was an interesting spin on the whole lot of uh, whole uh, the whole format off it all. Um, I think I liked it in the end, but again, it would have benefited from more complex character work on the actual like characters of the week point of view. Mm-hmm. We're getting stronger though. So mm-hmm. yeah. my hope is that episode five has a really solid case in it as well. Or maybe even if we get rid of the case of the week for the moment and go back to the Greystoke storyline. I would love that. Yeah, there's it just it feels on. like at the halfway point I'm loving it, but I can't help but see the potential. Like it just mm-hmm. it feels like they're trying to to corner the market in two worlds, like serialized and procedural, and it's both it's weighing both of them down a little bit. So like every time I'm watching, I'm like, oh, I I just lament the fact that it didn't have the opportunity to move forward, and you know work out work through those growing pains and get back into the mythology and branch out in future seasons and do something other than cases of the week. But I, I mean, for what it is and what we have, I mean, you can't be too upset because it didn't happen, but for what we got, I think it's a really strong representation of this idea. (laughs) (laughs) being very diplomatic in the way that I worded that. (laughs) (laughs) I, so far, I know we're we're at our halfway point. I'm not seeing why it would have been canceled. Mm -hmm. I do understand why Eric Kripke doesn't like it. Uh, It's not at the strength that I think he would, obviously would have wanted it to be. We we are sort of wandering in the dark. Um, but we're finding places that we're getting somewhere in in some ways, even if it's mostly sort of just developing Jane and, and Tarzan as characters rather than developing the initial plot we started with in the pilot. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, I'm trying to read the room here about the cancellation. The only thing I could think of is it's because of the level of competition that was on TV at the time. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you did watch the WB, you would have liked something like this. So it is just a shame that the viewership fell off quickly and that uh, just the things didn't come together. Maybe it was just the mixture of the viewership and the creative struggles with trying to make the show exist past its first season. Because you can see some of the tropes or it's like Reed said, like how we're getting fed up with the whole like Tarzan's uh, almost a villain that we need to catch him. Um, And you just want to see what he would be like helping the police officially. I imagine a second season would have been the equivalent of like a second season of a Batman show as you can just turn on the bat signal and he'll help the police this week without whatever's going on. And that his name would be cleared. He'd no longer be the villain, but the helpful assistant. Um, I imagine that's what a second season would have been like, but it's just, it's frustrating watching only eight episodes, knowing that they planned this as like a probably 22 episode season. So we're not going to, maybe we won't get the closure we wanted to. Um, and there's certainly issues with it and it's probably outlived its concept and they're struggling to keep it going. But generally I feel like this ticked the WB boxes. So it's just, it's, it's unfortunate to look back on that. It wasn't given a longer shot to find its foot. And cause I feel like it could have, if it had, if it had dropped this original storyline, it moved into the next era. I think there definitely would have been scope there to move on for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's probably hard for the network to take the risk and bet on a show that maybe wasn't as highly viewed and seemed like a creative uh, risk. But uh, I just, I still, if I had a time machine, I begged the WV to get somebody else in the room to help retool it and mm-hmm. try to get there faster. Greg Berlanti, I know you were busy at the time <laughs> but he knows that format you. <laughs> yeah. he needed you <laughs> yes. and we were just shy of like of the we don't cancel anything anymore you're gonna get a new season unless it's truly truly abysmal right we how many more years would we have had before we started doing that Can wb remember. oh this is the wb not cw never mind yeah. Yeah, this was <laughs> the cw in like 2008 to 2000 13 mm-hmm. i feel like we would have been or maybe even past 2013 i don't know this would have been such a good show to put on netflix <laughs> yeah. yes but I, but you're right though sabrina i feel like if this had survived on the cw during that era from 2008 onwards it definitely would have gotten at least a second season they were good at reimagining vintage properties 
in new generation stuck at beauty and the beast i don't think it was the huge phenomenal hit they wanted it to be but they managed to make it last for four seasons and i think i it was got gonna bring conclusion. that up right they, you know what I mean? they made it work for beauty and the beast and it's just like so frustrating that they couldn't like find the right avenue for tarzan to go forward mm -hmm. i think they could have Maybe I don't know whether it was retooling, whether it was a different creative team. But I like I said about the whole Predator versus Predator 2 thing, I think the concept of reimagining something in the jungle, in the concrete jungle, is absolutely genius. Yeah. Uh, just unfortunately, maybe the stars just didn't f align as fully as they hoped it would back then, and they just didn't give it a second chance. It would have been so nice, like even to move away from a case of the week to introduce more serialized mythology and then have like a have jane and sam and tarzan have like a a longer arc of a case to explore that would maybe even tie into the serialized aspect Ugh. we keep like dreamcasting or not dreamcasting like dreaming what could have been for this show <laughs> i think it's just because we like it so much and we see the potential and I don't know. Every week I have so much fun watching it and I'm just like, ah, oh, what could have been? What could have been? Yes. And every week we're like, if she hadn't have been a cop, <laughs> like if it was, <laughs> if it was something else, a researcher, a fellow at a, a local university and made up one or NYU, I don't care. It still just would have worked. If she an had been in Grace <laughs> Right. <laughs> yes. Or if she had been a researcher in Greystoke. And that's yeah. why he's connected yeah. to her because there's was the so much there. like divides because Greystoke is like it's like this comic book villainy, mm -hmm. right? It's like this entity that's just like so the logo is just all just so golden and larger than life. And then it's just like cop. I mean, like no shade, <laughs> like cop shows can hit, but it's again, it's just like two opposing worlds trying to be mushed into this one thing on top of Tarzan. <laughs> it's just yeah. a whole mess of things. It is. I, maybe oh, the WB just desperately needed, wanted a procedural. And they're like, I think I've said this before. And they just kind of like shoehorned. They're like, we can get it in with Tarzan and kind of um, gaslight the audience into doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and the audience was like, no. It's a lot. It's a lot. It is. It's a lot for one show, but a great show nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Before we wrap it up, you guys. So this is a call for. Um, Halloween episodes from classic WBCW shows. That's what we're going to be recording next week. We're going to pick one and we're going to delve into it. Uh, but we don't know which one to pick. So you guys have to give us some options and let us know what your favorite classic CW or WB Halloween episode is. Let's get spooky. Yes, tell us. Yes. And we can get spooky together. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it for this pod episode, y'all. We're the CW Spiral. I'm Sabrina. I'm Michael. I read. Bye. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.